This program is brought to you by PersonalLifeMedia.com. I'm Terry Strzok, host of Beauty Now, where you can hear the latest in lasers, lipo, lift, and rejuvenation. Today we're going to be talking about hair restoration from Dr. Robert Leonard, a leading hair transplant specialist. The FDA recently, about a month and a half ago, approved low-level laser therapy for the promotion of hair regrowth. And a very frightening statistic is after 50% of one's hair is already down the drain is when he or she begins to notice his or her hair thinning. So it's a very insidious process lots of times when they come in and say, my God, Dr. Leonard, you know, I, have, I, I became bald in the last two weeks when obviously that's not the case. And you know what's amazing sometimes? Patients come in, they have a big bald hair in the back, and they didn't they notice it until it. they were dancing with their daughter at their, and, and they started on the wedding video or something. <laughs> That's true. They evolved. I'm That's how they find denial. out. There was a theory that was done in the late 50s called donor dominance and it was proven that wherever tissue was taken from and moved someplace else, it will remain uh, intact, will keep its genetic integrity. The oldest patient I have, a, have done surgery is 91 years old. Wow. Unbelievable. It was, it was quite, a, quite a story. You might have to introduce that person to my Nana. <laughs> Welcome, Dr. Leonard. Thank you very much for having me, Terry. So, Dr. Leonard, are we doomed? for our hair if we have a mom or dad that is bald or had hair loss? Well, doomed is a negative word, but I would say yes, uh, you probably will experience hair loss if a parent had thinning hair. Genetic hair loss is the number one cause. 98% of hair loss is due to genetics. So, so what would be the first step? You start to see in the sink some hair and you're concerned. What would be the first step? Well, the most common uh, sign that people have is exactly that hair in the drain, particularly the drain in the uh, shower. Shower, it, right. It's normal to lose 100 hairs per day. That's the typical normal shedding of the human scalp is 100 hairs. And people say, my goodness, I don't lose that much hair. And, but when people start to notice hair that they didn't notice before, that's the time to be evaluated. And uh, I'm a hair restoration surgeon. I've been practicing in the field for 21 years. And that would be a really good first place to start, especially uh, for women with thinning hair, because very often women go to their primary care doctor and they're sometimes blown off saying, well, you know, it's normal to lose your hair. Don't worry about it. Exactly. That, that's true. That's the last thing a person needs to hear from their doctor. Especially vain women, <laughs> like all my friends. Well, it's None not of us want to lose hair. You know, hair loss, men don't like losing the hair one bit. The majority of my patients by far are men. However, it's normal, it's accepted in society, but for a woman to lose her hair, it's not the case. It's devastating. It can be actually devastating. Absolutely devastating, and it's, it's so great to hear that there's some options available. There are lots of options. Uh, we can talk about men and women together initially, or we can break it out into either men and women. Uh, Why don't we just talk about men right now? 
Well, and male we'll pattern hair loss affects one out of every two men. It's a very common condition. Every other guy you see will have male pattern hair loss to some extent at some point in his life. So um, it's, it's also an issue of a progressive condition. These conditions, male and female pattern hair loss, are progressive. So the most important thing to do initially is to stop it from getting worse. How do you do that? Well, there are a couple of different options. First of all, one should see a specialist, and then uh, there are three options to treat male pattern hair loss short of surgery. One is Propecia. Propecia is a pill. It works extraordinarily well for the back of the head. The back of the head is called the crown. If people have that typical balding, bald spot area, that's the crown, and that is a very, very great place for Propecia to work. It stops now, is Propecia only for men, not for women? It really is FDA-approved for men only. Um, there can be a, the potential of birth defect if a woman of childbearing age takes Propecia. So it's been my rule in my practice not to prescribe it to women who are not uh, menopausal. I do use it off-label for menopausal women, but really it's, it's a treatment that's really best for men. And it stops further progression in 83% of guys and regrows hair back there in 66% of men. So that's one option. It's a pill, and it has to be taken long-term. The second option is Rogaine, or minoxidil solution. Rogaine's been around since the 1980s, and there's a brand-new formula of Rogaine called Rogaine Foam. Right, I've heard of that. It's excellent, actually. It's much less messy, much more easy to use, and it stabilizes progression in the front of the head, in the middle, and in the crown. Although all the literature you read states it only works in the crown, Rogaine foam works all over the head very well. Twice a day application to the scalp. So when you're applying the foam to your head and you get it all over your fingers, you don't have to worry about growing hair on your hands. How does the foam work, actually? The foam is actually the vehicle into which the minoxidil is is, uh, dissolved. So the minoxidil um, actually stimulates hair follicles where there are follicles. There are no follicles on the palms of the hand. But I always have people wash their hands after any application of medication. So that would be the only issue that I would really be concerned about in that regard. So certainly that would be um, a second option for people. And the third option is the newest option we've had uh, over the last five years called laser therapy, low-level laser or low-level light therapy. And that typically is an in-office treatment where people would come to the office, and this modality will actually stabilize for the hair loss again, in the front, the middle, and the back, in approximately 90% of patients, and regrowth of hair 50% of the time. And that's what about those laser combs I see sometimes advertised in newspapers? I'm sorry? Those laser combs, have you seen those? Yes, the laser combs or the laser brush, there are two that are available of late. The FDA recently, about a month and a half ago, approved low-level laser therapy for the promotion of hair regrowth. And uh, these also are handheld units that can be used uh, at home. Uh, the wattage is a little less. It's quite uh, much less, in fact, than the in-office treatments. But uh, certainly uh, they've been proven to be helpful. So tell me about the in-office treatment. How many times per week do you need to do that for it to be effective? In my practice, I have patients come a half hour, two times a week over a two-month period of time. And then after that... They come one time a week for a couple of months, and then it spreads out to every other week, and finally just once a month for the second half of the year. I think it's very important for people to do a full year-long protocol because any type of treatment to do with the hair cycle takes a minimum of three or four months to become effective because that is a normal physiologic cycle of time that uh, the hair cycle goes from 
a, a new, newly growing hair to a falling out phase and then a regrowth of another hair. So that's, it's, it's not a magical time, but three or four months is, is a time that most things begin to work. So once they uh, you know, get the first three or four or five months under their belt, then they can start to see the benefits of the laser therapy. So then they just start to see new little hairs. Now, are they supposed to try to use the Rogaine foam in conjunction with the laser therapy? And the Propecia, if they're willing to do it. I try to throw everything at these people as far as stabilization if they're willing to do these things because each of these modalities work separately and distinctly from the others. So it's very important that they know that you know, if they do two, it's better than one. If they do three, obviously, it's better than two because each one works um, on a separate population of hair follicles. I've heard that um, Propecia, uh, some people have said that it causes impotence. Is that true? What happens with Propecia, in 0.3% of men, there's the side effect of decreased hardness of an erection and decreased sex drive. 0.3%. It, it almost never occurs. And if a man were to be among the unlucky 0.3 to experience a side effect and he stayed taking the pill for another two weeks, 60% of those people will revert back to normal because the body adjusts to the medicine. And 100% will go back to normal if they stop it. So it's something that happens extraordinarily rarely. And if a person were to get a side effect, it typically takes care of itself in the majority of people. Well, that's good to know. Cause that's, it is. That's what I've been taking for <laughs> myself for about nine and a half years. Okay, it works good. Very well for the back of the head. So then, if these treatments don't work, then is that when you recommend surgery, or do you recommend surgery because it's easier than going in twice a week for laser? Well, no, they're they're really different things. It's it, I I liken it to having fluoride and toothpaste. You know, if if one has a cavity, you go in and you have a filling, and that that's equivalent to the transplant. If you have baldness, the transplant's going to grow hair where the baldness is. However. The transplant will not stop progression of existing hair. In many people, when they first come to the office, they're not candidates for transplantation. They just need to begin to do something to stabilize further progression. And a very frightening statistic is after 50% of one's hair is already down the drain is when he or she begins to notice his or her hair thinning. So it's a very insidious process lots of times. And they come in and say, my God, Dr. Leonard, you know, I have I, I became bald in the last two weeks when obviously that's not the case. It's a very slow, slow process. And they may have gotten their first sunburn, for example, and they said, my goodness, where'd my hair go? Or, you know, a comment may have been made, you know, at the gym or they're driving in their car and they see skin through their uh, their hairline uh, in the rearview mirror. So, Or their wives those... tell them. <laughs> or Pardon? their children. Their children, Daddy, you have a bald spot back here. That's a very common thing as well. And you know what's amazing sometimes? Patients come in, they have a big ball there in the back, and they didn't they notice it until it. they were dancing with their daughter at their, and they started on the wedding video or something. <laughs> That's true. And they're bald. I'm That's how they find denial. out. Well, we need to take a quick break here to thank our sponsors. I'm so interested to find out more. Why is our hair thinning? We're going to be right back with Dr. Leonard. Listen to Living Dialogues, thought leaders in transforming ourselves and our global community with Duncan Campbell, visionary conversationalist, bringing you the best in new paradigm thinking on personallifemedia.com. Hi, we're back with Dr. Leonard, and we're talking about thinning hair, baldness, 
male and female. Welcome back, Dr. Leonard. Thank you, Terry, very much. As far as the transplant goes, uh, we were talking about transplantation is really the permanent solution to baldness because when we transplant hair, that hair will grow, and many people don't realize this, it grows on their head for the rest of their lives. And the technique has changed dramatically over the last uh, 20 years from the old technique that was known as the plugs. That was a technique that didn't offer, in most cases, the most natural look, but it certainly provided hair in one's head. What's That's... the difference between plugs and a hair transplant? Right. Well, today it's different. Um, the transplant of today is virtually undetectable by the untrained eye. Uh, what I do today is I lift the hair up in a row in the back. The area along the sides and back of the head, that horseshoe-shaped area, is called the donor area. And that is, the hairs in, those, uh, in that area grows lifelong. So if I surgically move skin and hair follicles from the back of the head and transplant it to the top, those hairs will grow for the rest of the person's life as if they were still in the back of the head. So what I do today is I lift the hair up in a row in the back with hair clip, shave about a half-inch band of hair, numb it with local anesthetic, and then we remove a strip of skin that have all these shaved follicles in it, which is then placed in saline solution. And that small incision then is sutured, it's stitched up, and the hair clips are removed, and the hair then will shingle right over the stitched area in the back of the head, and it's unseen. So it can be completely hidden. And then under magnification, my staff will dissect that strip into grafts today that have only one hair, two hairs, and three hairs. So they're very, very small grafts that we create from the strip in the back. Then they are placed in saline solution. And then the area that's bald, whether it's the front, the top, the back, the entire head, eyebrows, sideburns, wherever we're transplanting hair to that day, is made numb by local anesthetic. And then I make tiny little incisions, little tiny slits in the skin, into which then these tiny grafts are planted. And once they're in place, we shampoo the patient's hair, and they put on a baseball cap or whatever they wish, and they go home without any bandages at all. And that's the transplant process. That all happens in one single session, one setting. How painful is it? It's, all, it's actually painless because the transplanted area is all numb. Uh, to do the anesthetic, there's a little pinch and a burn initially, but that really is just for a second or two, and then it becomes numb. And then after the procedure, most people complain about the stitches on the back being sore. Uh, most people by far uh, use extra strength Tylenol as a main you know, post-operative medication, but I also prescribe a stronger medicine if they wish. If they want it. I don't really understand why in the back of your head, so you'll use that as the donor area, and you'll put it on the top of the head, but... How come that hair doesn't fall out? Well, we don't know. We don't know. Um, the donor area is genetically programmed to grow lifelong. So um, wherever it's moved to, the, the soil is not poisoned, so any transplants that uh, planted into a bald area will not become bald. There was a theory that was done in the late 50s called donor dominance, and it was proven that wherever tissue was taken from, and move someplace else, it will, mean it, it will remain uh, intact, it will keep its genetic integrity. So the first experiment, they took up a, a, a graft of hair from the back and put it in the bald spot and took out a bald area and put it in the area in the back, and they watched, and they showed that the graft that had hair grew forever, and the bald graft that was moved from the bald area to the area where there was hair remained bald forever. So that's how they proved the theory of donor dominance, and that's how... Uh, that's the basis of transplantation. That's how life's not fair sometimes. <laughs> <laughs>
back there, but at least now we have this option. So could you tell us what's available for women? Uh, transplantation likewise is available for women. I uh, I would say close to 15% of my surgery patients now are women. Uh, many years ago, transplantation wasn't all that great of an option because of the technique we did those days. But today, most women have a generally thinning pattern. And what I do now is instead of removing any tissue where it's thin, I'll actually plant grafts among the thin area and therefore get a thicker result. It doesn't happen instantaneously, though. It takes time for the hairs to grow. How long time, does it take? Months. About the normal way? Pardon? The normal growth pattern that you have, that's how long it takes to grow back? It does. What happens is the transplants take place today, and then over the next three weeks or so, the little hairs in the graft will grow, and then the hairs fall out after about three or four weeks after the transplant. The graft heals in place, but the hair grows and falls out. And then it takes that magic three or four months for them to begin to regrow. So it takes about three months for the new hairs in the graft to reach the surface of the skin, and patients will start to feel these little hairs growing, little nubs on the top of their head. And that hair grows at the normal rate about one quarter inch per month thereafter. So I tell people after month five is when they really can start to see a change as far as an effect, a beneficial effect of the transplant. And at the one-year mark, I tell them, this is when you can see what I did for them, at the one-year mark, because at a year post-op, the hairs have grown long enough, and by then people are cutting and curling and coloring the hair. What's the oldest patient that you have? The oldest patient I have done surgery is 91 years old. Wow. Unbelievable. It was, it was quite, a, quite a story. You might have to introduce that person to my nana. <laughs> Well, that's great. I mean, that's so good to know that at 91, you can still get a hair transplant. At what age do you think is the the average age of my first-time patient, the first time a person sits in my chair for surgery? Um, Shoot, I I would just be guessing. I would say 30s? 50 years old. 50 years old. And is that waiting too long? Well, it's not waiting too long, but that's, you know, a lot of young people say, well, geez, when I'm 50, I won't care about my baldness, and that's, that's just not the case. Men especially are bothered, and women alike, they're bothered by the hair loss all through their lives. And uh, often, uh, you know, people, that's average. So I have people coming in in their 20s and people in their 70s and 80s, and this one guy in his 90s as well. But hair loss bothers people their whole lives. And if there's something that can be done that looks natural, it's permanently growing, uh, people are, are taking uh, transplantation very seriously. And if you can do something about it, why wouldn't you? That's right. So is there any special hair product, shampoos, any of things that you could recommend? Well, the only shampoo product that I personally use in my practice has uh, copper peptide in it. And copper peptide has been shown to be helpful for the follicle, and I have that through uh, my office. Um, the other beneficial thing is shampooing. It's important. People, especially young guys, they come in the, into the office for their first examination, and the hair is filthy. And I know the whole routine is that <laughs> when they wash the hair, they see hair falling out, and therefore they say, well, the shampooing is causing my hair to fall out, and then they don't shampoo. And that's, that's counterproductive. In fact, that can cause increased uh, hair shedding. So it's important for people to shampoo every day. Once a day is, is proper scalp hygiene. Exactly. So, so you can buy this shampoo through your office. Yes. And we'll link your website to ours, uh, personallifemedia.com, and then listeners can find that shampoo through your office? Yes, they can. They just That'd be great. They actually call a toll-free number, and we'll be happy to send it to them. Okay. And so you can dye, color, perm your hair after a procedure? 
That's right. It's their own hair. They can cut, curl, comb, color. They can do anything they want because it's their own growing hair. And you can exercise and sweat? I like people to wait about uh, anywhere from uh, typically three days for them to do typical non-weight-bearing, as far as non-weight-lifting exercise. But after the sutures come out at, at one week, uh, then they can go back to their typical routine at the gym. So how big are these little stitches, these um, little sutures that you do? How what? How big are they? How long are they? Well, they're very short because what I do, you don't feel all these little uh, pricks like you would on a small incision. I do a stitch that's a looping stitch, so it's a continuous stitch. So when you feel the back of the head, you feel pretty much smoothness. You don't feel all these little uh, individual stitches. It, so but it doesn't look week, like one big long stitch. scar. It's just little little scars? The typical scar in the back of the head is about, if you drew a line with a pencil, the width of a pencil line is a typical scar line that's remaining under people's uh, hair. So that's not seen unless one shaves one's head. And do you use general anesthesia for hair transplants, or is it it's just only local? Typically local. I mean, it's very rare. Maybe a couple of times a year I'll have to bring a patient into the hospital because they may have some other medical condition that they're not able to tolerate the local anesthetic, but it's extremely rare. Most people by far have all local anesthetic. They're wide awake watching movies during their transplant, uh, and it takes, like I said, three to five hours. And going to sleep. So it's only if you have a medical condition? Well, if someone's very nervous, if they're very anxious, I'll sometimes prescribe a benzodiazepine like a Valium or uh, something like that if they're nervous. And if they are, then, you know, they're, they're much more comfortable in their own skin, and they, they go through with flying colors. What's the? How much does this cost? Transplantation ranges anywhere from... $5,500 to $8,500, and my fees are based on the size of the area that I transplant. I think that's the most fair way for fees to be uh, charged to patients. I don't charge per piece, in other words. There are financing companies available, right? Almost definitely, yes. You take all credit cards and they're financing. Credit cards, all that kind of stuff. So there's ways to get it and finance it yourself. Absolutely, yes. Well, that's so great. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Leonard, for talking to us. Is there anything you want to add before we go? I just encourage people, if they're starting to lose their hair, that's when they should contact a doctor who is uh, uh, familiar and and has a specialization in hair restoration. Uh, Because the earlier we treat, the sooner uh, we can get something uh, stabilized, and therefore it won't get worse. Even young people in their 20s. I mean, that's what was shocking to me. Most definitely. People in their late teens and 20s, that's when typically uh, male and female pet on balms begin to be noticeable, and that's when they should come in to uh, have their first uh, consultation. And in my office, it's a free consultation, so they have nothing to lose but their time. And they'll gain a tremendous what do you do for people so young? Do you recommend the laser treatments and the foam to start? And, and or the Propecia if it's a male. Yes, all three of those things. Well, that's so great. So you can find local doctors through your website and get recommendations for people in your area. And if you are a hair transplant surgeon or doctor, you want to be linked up to personallifemedia.com and get referred here. Thank you so much for your time today. I've learned so much about hair transplants and we've really enjoyed talking to you. Thank you, Terry. This concludes our show with Dr. Leonard, a hair transplant specialist. I'm Terry Struck, host of Beauty Now. If you'd like this transcript or any others, please go to personallifemedia.com. Find more great shows like this on personallifemedia.com. 